Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Awesome. Well, why don't you take out your notes today? We are in part four of a series called This Is Home, where we are learning of what it means to be part of the church family here at Radiant Church. And as our church has grown and we've added campuses and locations, um, with so many new people coming in, man, we really need to solidify what we are all about. You hear our vision all the time that we move people from where they are to where God wants them to be. But then we created some behavior, some values of what we do along the way. And I shared them a few weeks ago. If you missed them, here they are. It's simply that Jesus is our answer. We make that a big part of who we are. The Bible is our foundation. Community is our commitment. Worship is our lifestyle. People are our pursuit. Those are the five. We've been preaching off of them the last few weeks. If you missed any of the messages, make sure you check them out on YouTube. And today's message, I really want you to lean into, because we're going to have some time at the end of the service today, where we really worship and ask the Lord to do something deep in each of our hearts. So don't rush off like you normally would. Stick around for just a couple minutes. Uh, This last week, I was able to take my son Kai on a trip, he's five years old, and I have a thing where I take all my kids when they turn five on a trip with just me and them. It's just a couple days away. We fly to a place and go ride some roller coasters, and it's a lot of fun. And so we were together, and while we were together, I forgot because my son Kai is the first of my children to be ultra social with strangers. He knows no like social rules. And one of the places it became most evident was on elevators. Now, I don't know if you understand this. There are some rules about elevators that uh, people abide by even though they're not written out rules. Because elevators are not a place you wanna communicate and hang out with other people. Let's have a moment of honesty in our church today across all of our locations. How many have been on an elevator and you saw someone walking down the hallway towards the elevator and you smiled at them, but with one hand, you're reaching over to push that close button. Come on, we're gonna be honest across church today. You don't want them on there. And they don't want you on there either, right? I mean, you've all been at that moment where you know the elevator opens and you're trying to get on and it's packed and they're looking at you going, don't get in this elevator. This is not for you. Then you get on the elevator and there's a couple rules. One rule is you, you don't look anywhere else other than the numbers, right? You look at the numbers, right? there. You're just watching your number. You're waiting for your moment. And then you don't talk. Can we just all agree that on an elevator, we don't need to communicate. We don't need to talk. If you're the talker in the elevator, you're the awkward one. We don't need you. That was my son this last week. He does not understand that he thinks the elevator is the perfect opportunity to get to know everybody. So he's sitting there and he's like, hi, what's your name? My name's Kai. How old are you? I'm like, you don't ask a lady how old she is. You know, the elevator idea is a perfect example of what I think most people think church is. You see, the elevator is a place that you get on, you deal with the people around you, but you deal with them with the idea that you're going to get to your destination. And I think that's a microcosm, this idea of what the church actually is. You show up, you squeeze through the crowd, you don't really want to talk to everybody. When they tell you to talk to your neighbor, you kind of mumble to the side, come on, amen, you don't really do that. And, and, and what, is it, what is the point? Then you hurry and leave. You spend the whole time out there just kind of staring at the guy on stage like, all right, what is he going to teach me? How am I going to get to the next level in my life? And you miss out on one of the most crucial parts of why God designed the church. And it's one of our values, and I want you to write it down. It's simply this, is that community is our commitment. I want to challenge you today, no matter where you're at in your walk with God, to make a fresh commitment 
to the community of believers called the local church. This is not your elevator to just move you to your destination. It is actually a place that God has called you to get planted at, connected with, so that you can grow into be all that God has called you to be. The best way to see this is to go back to the very first church. The church was established after this event called Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out on 120 believers. Peter stands up, preaches the message, and the Bible says in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2, it says it like this, and it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000. How many? 3, How many? 3,000. 3, were added to their number that day. So I, I love this because some of you guys just heard numbers here at the church. You're like, well, I don't think the church should talk about numbers. Well, God has a whole book called Numbers. He's okay <laughs> with number, a church joke right there. Come on, boom. God, God's okay with numbers. And here's the thing, he cares about people. So when you hear big numbers, like thousands of people, you realize every number has a name. And every name has a story. And every story matters to God. So we'll continue to celebrate numbers because numbers represent lives being changed for an eternity. Can I hear a good amen today, church? It says 3,000 were baptized. So what happened? These people made a decision to get committed to Christ on that day of Pentecost. But then something major happened that I think we miss many times. Look at the next verse of what their reaction was after salvation. And I'm talking to some people across our locations that have raised their hand. They've committed their life to Christ, and they go, what's next for my life? Well, I'm glad you asked because the Bible tells us exactly what's next. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, pause right there for just a second. Here's this crucial word that I want you to get. It's this word, devoted. What does this mean? Well, the, me the word in the, in the Greek form actually means this. It means to continually give of yourself. Salvation is not the one time in your life that you turn your life over to God. Yeah. Can I just say that again? Salvation is a continually giving of yourself for something greater that God has for your life. It didn't just stop there. It started there, a lifestyle of surrender. And they were devoted. Let me just pause there for just a second. You're devoted. You're devoted. Just You might be devoted to the wrong things. We're all devoted to lots of random things. You're devoted to, to the newest show on Netflix. You're devoted to your friends. You're devoted to golf. Come on, somebody. You're devoted to football. We're devoted. We're devoted to a lot of things. We're really devoted to football. We're, <laughs> we're devoted to so many things. My question is, is what, are, is what you're devoted to really matter? Yeah. Is it something that is really significant? And in our passage today... We see that the people that got saved immediately went from a devotion to God to a devotion to something else that could be the game changer for your life. Let me say it like this, okay? Many of you might have made a commitment to Christ, but you miss out on the second commitment that could really change your life and bring you to the next level. So let me give it to you today because it tells us what it is. Verse 42, you still with me? Say yes. And they were devoted together, and they devoted themselves to two things. The apostles' teaching. Well, that's what I'm doing right now. Right. You can just call me the apostle Aaron. No, 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 don't call me that. I'm not, <laughs> it's not my title. That's weird. 
So they divided them, devoted themselves to, to godly teaching. And you need to have God's word in you. That's what I talked about last Sunday. The Bible is our foundation. You need to be in it, which, by the way, I'm so proud of our church. Thousands of you guys taking the 31-day challenge through God's word. That will change your life. It's a big deal. But then it says it like this. Look at verse 42. And to fellowship with the breaking of bread and to prayer. Notice it doesn't say kale. Can we just talk in the house of God today? It doesn't say salad. Don't invite me over to have a nice fresh salad. I want to break some bread. We're going to get into some carbs. We're going to load up together. That's what the church of God. You have a potluck? I'm coming to your house. I'm inviting myself over your house. I'm bringing a little bread pudding. Why? Because this is the Bible. Bible says they broke bread together. Give me that kale business. Come on, somebody. This is, this is the commitment. And here's the word. The word is this, fellowship. In the Greek, it's the word koinonia, which simply means this. It means community. That they had a commitment, a devotion to community. I want you to get this because so many of us miss this. We get a commitment to Christ, but we never follow it up with a commitment to Christ's community. And if you don't follow it up with the community aspect, you'll never be who God has called you to be. This is a message where I'm going to challenge some people over the next few minutes to get back involved, off the sidelines, onto the front lines, being connected with what God is doing here, because you can't be who God's called you to be alone. You got to have some people around you, and you got to have the right people around you, and that is called the church. Now, I know the church is kind of has a negative tone to it today. But I'm going to help you see in the church in its purest form. Let's keep going through this passage because this has blown me away this last week. It says it like this. Everyone was filled with awe with the many wonders of the signs, uh, and the signs uh, performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. This is the church in its purest form. Look at this. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in, in temple courts and they broke, there it is again, bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let me show you this. If people ever sit there and go, well, I don't know what the church thing is all about. This is what the church is all about. Amen. Let me show you to you this way. I wrote it down as six commitments of the early church. And I think they're commitments we should all make in our life. When you think about what the church is all about, you see it in the first passage there, and it says they were together and had everything in common. Write it down your notes this way. It's a commitment to get along. I'm tired of the church fighting each other over stupid things when we are called to be a united force and, and a united group that attacks the enemy. We are saved by the grace of God. That is bigger than any other political issue that can divide us. Can I hear a good amen today, church? We need to get along. That's the church in its purest form. They got along, but it didn't stop there. And then it says it like this, and they, all the believers, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They also had a commitment to care for one another. So if someone was struggling financially, they didn't say, well, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Go on, get it together. No, 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 no. The church of Jesus Christ, we care for each other. And then look what it says. And it says, and they continued to meet together in the temple courts. You know what that means? That was a commitment to worship together. Yes. So it's not just you and Jesus at home. I think that's awesome, but that's not church. Church is when we gather together as the body of believers and we worship together in the temple like this. And then it says, and they broke bread together in their homes and they ate together 
with glad and sincere hearts. I love this. Write it down. It was a commitment to hang out outside of the church. It's like, hey, get some numbers. Meet some people. Get some community. Invite them over your house. This is what the church is all about. And then it says it like this. They're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So they're not just a church that meets together. Here's the, the other one. is They made a commitment to celebrate together. So some of you guys are at Radiant today, and maybe it's your first time or first time in, in a while to church, and you're in here and you're like, why do y'all keep cheering about everything? I'm in a campus right now. I'm, I'm in Brandon, and I'm, why are y'all cheering about Clearwater? You know why? Because when one part of our church wins, all of us win. When one part, we're not here to, to, to criticize and to, to condemn other people. I think it's about time the church celebrates each other. We need to be a place of celebration for each other. And then look what else it says. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So they also had a commitment to, to grow the community. Amen. So it wasn't going to be just us four and no more. It was going to be the fact that, you know what, we're okay with the fact that we're going to add a service and we're going to add locations. You know why? Because the church must get bigger because people matter to God. The lost people are going to, are on a path towards an eternity away from God, and we got to do our part to reach them. So it's not like this is my chair and this is where I've always sat. No, 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 no. We make room in our church for people to come who are far from God. That is, by the way, this group right here, this list right here, look at it. That's the perfect description of what a church should be. When people look at church and they go, well, the church is this, the church is this. You go, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what the church really is. It's a place where we get along. We care for each other. We worship together. We hang out outside the church. We celebrate together. And guess what? We grow and you're invited to this family too. That's what the church is all about. Come on, give them better praise. Amen. And this is God's idea. Write it down in your notes because the local church is God's strategy for community. It's his strategy for going, you know what? I want people to be connected. I want them to make a difference. And I'm going to establish this thing called the church. And it's a beautiful thing to be part of. And I know what you're thinking because there's some people, and they get really spiritual, and they go, well, I don't need that. Aaron, it's just me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. We are just all day long. It's just me and Jesus, me and Jesus, me and the Holy Spirit, me and the Holy Spirit. And if that was enough, then what happened in the garden should have been enough because Adam and God should have been plenty. But God looks at Adam, who, by the way, he walked with him every day. And yet this was a man who walked with God every day. Don't tell me you have unbelievable intimacy with God that you don't need God's people because Adam was a man that walked with God. And at the same time, God looks at him and says, it is not good for man to be alone. So I don't care how much intimacy and connection you have with God alone. You're called to God's people. You're called to be part of God's people. So let me just take a few minutes and give you the why behind it. Because I have five kids that are young, and they always need the why. So I'm going to give you the why of why this is. And I'm, I hope your heart is stirred over the last few minutes that I have with you today. Simply this, why do you need to be part of a local church? Simply this, number one, because community, I mean, commitment lasts longer in community. Let me say it again, because commitment lasts longer in community. You ever tried to do a diet on your own? <laughs> doesn't work, does it? I traveled way too much this summer between um, ministry trips and family vacations, and my diet was terrible. Every Monday, new diet started. Every Monday afternoon, diet falls apart. It's just life. It was not good. And then finally, I got back and got on a routine, and the only way to do it was I surrounded myself with some people that said, okay, 
I'm going to hold you accountable. You're sending me what you're eating every day. All right. And every time I would eat, I would go, okay, now they're going to ask me. And because they're going to ask me, I might as well stick to it. Why? Commitment lasts longer in community. You want to do this thing long, you got to get some people around you that will encourage you, that will strengthen you. Because then guess what happened? Then I go away for three days with my son. They're not around. I stopped, started ignoring text messages. <laughs> and I ate really terrible. <laughs> Why? Your commitment will always wane when you get isolated and get disconnected. No wonder so many people are questioning their faith in this season and, and questioning their calling on their life and questioning if they're even supposed to be doing this stuff God's way. Why? Because their commitment wanes when they get disconnected from community. That's why Hebrews says it like this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up a meeting together as some, let me look right at the camera, some that are at home right now are in the habit of doing Notice it does not say for some other random reason other than habit. Because your habits make your life. And what happened in the COVID pandemic is this is what's happened. Is that people stayed home for legitimate health reasons. And some are still home for legitimate health reasons. But a vast majority of people are not home because of health reasons anymore. They're at home because of habit reasons. And your habits, when you get disconnected from community, what happens is now your commitment starts to wane and you stop serving and you stop giving and you stop being part of it. Why? Because you got disconnected from people. That is why I want to challenge you. Here's what it says in Psalms 92. The righteous, and that's us, will flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. I love that phrase right there. When you're in church, here's what's going to happen. You will flourish. And I want your life to flourish. I want you to be all that God's called you to be. How do you get it? you got to get connected with the people of God in church. you got to get around some people. Get in the right community. Man, if you don't have friends, make friends at Radiant Church. You go, well, they're not friendly. Be friendly. Meet somebody. Well, nobody talks to me. Talk to somebody else. You single? Find your boo at Radiant Church. Come on. Like, let's start the Radiant app eventually. Come on, somebody. Someone needs to deceive that thing and just like, we'll start the Radiant Singles app. Get you, find your boo here. Like, do this. If you're, if you're a parent with kids and you're checking your kids in at Radiant Kids, meet other parents. Do play dates with those. Why? You don't want your kids being influenced by people outside of the world. Outside of the world. Get around people in the church. Get some church friends around them. Watch what happens when this becomes your community. And I'm going to challenge you, take that step today. Because you've got to make this church, which has grown incredibly large by God's grace, really, really, really small. Here's why. Write it down your notes this way. Because the church must grow large because people matter. But... The church must stay small because you matter. And I want you to get that. So it has to stay where it's connected, where you're no longer just a number. Here's, here's what I want you to get. I want you to make church where it stops being something you do and it becomes the community that you live in. I, don't, I want you to stop attending church and I want you to start con being connected with your community called the church. And so how do you do this? There's two ways and I'm going to put them up here on the screen. Here's your two ways. Ready? It's that you either get in a group or you join a team. Those are your two things. By the way, the preferred method is both. Yeah. 
But I understand most people in their life, you're busy, you can't do both. So I'm going to challenge everybody at Radiant needs to do at least one of these two things. So you're going to pick up your phone right now because some of you guys, you've not been in a group for years now. We still have space available. You need to join a group or you need to join the dream team. You go, well, I don't know what, how am I supposed to serve. We have a whole team that's here to equip you to make sure you walk into the calling that God has for you. You have a place to play in this thing. And when you're connected, it's not even about serving. It's about being in a community where now you can be challenged and meet together so that your commitment lasts longer because you're in community. Can I hear a good amen? amen. Number two, write it down. Is simply, why do we do this? Because we're stronger together. This world is really tough and really brutal, and you need some people around you to bring some strength in your life. I take my family on a two-week RV trip every summer. So th- we've done it a couple years in a row, and if you've ever seen the movie RV, that's our life right there. It's chaos. It's crazy. It's fun. Uh, so we get in this. We don't own an RV. We, we rent one from somebody that we find online. So this year we flew to California, and we rented an RV, and we went around the, the Redwood Forest area. If you've never seen the Redwoods, they're the most like fascinating trees in the world. And, and the big famous ones are called sequoias. That's my family. That's us. And uh, this summer at one of the sequoias, you can drive a vehicle through these trees. They're unbelievable how big they are. Some of these trees are over 400 feet tall, about 18 feet wide, and many of them are over 3,000 years old. A thousand years before Christ, these trees were still around. It's unbelievable. So when you go in, you can't imagine how big they are until you're walking down. I remember walking down this hill, and I took this next picture where I'm walking down this hill, and I saw one for the first time, and it's like it's the biggest thing. Like you've never seen anything like this in your life. What's fascinating about these trees is that the sequoia trees, the largest trees in the world, while they're hundreds of feet tall, hundreds of tons in weight, they're so big, they've lasted for 3,000 years for one reason, and it's because of their root system. Now, what's interesting about their root system is their root system is the most shallow of all the major trees in the world. They do not have deep roots that go down. So how does a tree that's 400 plus feet tall thousands of years old, how does it survive? Because even though it has a very shallow, about six feet deep root system, the shallow root system intertwines with all the other trees around it. So while it's intertwined around all of them, what happens is, is it doesn't survive because it's strong. It survives because they are strong. That's good right there. You're too busy trying to make you strong. Here's here's your challenge. Ready? Stop trying to make you strong and just get around some people that are strong. Watch what happens when you get yourself around some other people. Let me tell you, because we need to be a church that gets around each other to go, you know what? There's times I'm not strong, but you are. And there's times where you're not strong, but I am. And together, we're going to weather the storm. We're going to weather the fires. We're going to weather the issues. Why? We're here to survive this thing because we have each other. We are stronger together. Can I hear an amen? Well, I don't have anybody. Yes, you do. 1 Peter 2.10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Don't ever say you're not part of a group anymore. No, 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 no. I don't know what other churches have told you. You are welcome here. You are a belong here. This is your family. And if you feel like an outsider, that's your fault because we want you part of this thing here together. We can do this thing together. We're stronger together. And if you are struggling, let me just say it this way, because we want to be here for you guys. And with a church our size, we, we have done our best. 
And really, outside of people that are in groups and on teams, we've had a really hard time caring for people during difficult times. But we know that there's times that life is difficult. So I want you to see this next screen, and I want you to write it down. If you do need care right now, and you're struggling, I want you to know we have people on our team, paid pastors, that have put their lives and dedicated their lives for this purpose of going, we're here to care for some people. We're here to love people. We don't want you falling through the crack. If you're struggling, you have somebody sick, you have an issue, you need prayer, you contact us. We want to be the church to do this. And you go, well, I don't need anybody else. I can take care of myself. Then why aren't you taking care of other people? Because this isn't just about you anymore. we got to be the family of God. we got to do this thing together. Did you know, write in your notes this way, that there are a hundred one another commands in the scripture. One another. Like, like you can't even obey these commands if you're doing a silo thing and an isolated thing alone. So you go, well, it's just me and Jesus. No, 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 no. we got to do this thing together. we got to care for one another. Here's, here's some of them. Jesus said it this way. Love one another. Serve one another. Forgive one another. How can we do this if we're not the ch- people of God? Bear one another's burdens. Encourage one another. Don't judge one another. Pray for one another. You know four times... In the scriptures, it says, kiss one another. Come on, let's bring it back. Right here, right at church. Just turn to your neighbor right now. No, 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 <laughs> That's funny right there. We got to be the church. We got to have a commitment to this community. Number three, and the last one is this, is that we can do little alone, or we can make a decision, worship team, you can come, to accomplish lots together. And when I look back over the last eight years, I'm so shocked and so blown away. Not because of some great thing that's happened to me, but because honestly, it's the fact that God's built this church through an amazing group of people who have said, I'm not going to be on the sidelines. I'm going to be committed to this community. I'm going to make a commitment. Reminds me of the Belgian horse. I've used this before, but I think it's a great illustration. They're the strongest um, horse on the planet. They can pull 8,000 pounds. Now, I don't ride horses. Because I just don't believe I'm getting on an animal that's bigger than me. I just don't like that animal will kill me. So I'm not going to do that. That, that horse can pull 8,000 pounds. So two of them should be able to pull 16,000 pounds. But they don't. They don't pull 16,000. Two of them can pull 24,000. Actually, you can actually take it up a notch. And if the two of them are around each other for any significant amount of time, it can go up to about 32,000 pounds. They did a study one time on two Belgian horses that were born and lived together since birth. And when they grew up together, they were able to pull over 50,000 pounds. Why? Because it's the power of team. You can't do this thing alone. So I don't know what you've been trying to overcome in your life. You can't pull it on your own. You, you need some people in your life to bring some strength. And that's where the body of Christ comes into fact. Romans 12 says it like this. For just as each of us has one body, but has many members. So you're not just a giant face or a giant hand. No, no, there's many different parts of you. And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to each other. So our church is strong because we have very unique people on this thing. So we have people that you're the hands and you're always doing and you have people that are the eyes and you're always seeing. And we have a lot of mouths, man. They're always talking and, and, and we have people that all the different, the, the feet and they're always going. Come on. And we even have some rear ends at our church. Can I hear a good amen? <laughs> Won't call out who you are. We all have a place. 
But here's what I want you to get. Last thing, I just want you to get this. Because at Radiant, we want to remind you that every member is a minister here. This isn't an Aaron Burke show. This is, this is something that God's called you to do. It's not some hierarchy of, well, they're on the stage and, and I'm insignificant. I think we will be very shocked in heaven who is celebrated. It's going to be a lot of the people that are in Radiant Kids right now that nobody else sees. But God sees them. There'll be a lot of people that are up there in some um, booth that they're running production. And nobody knows their name, but God knows their name. It's going to be a bunch of people at 5 a.m. that were setting up at some of our campuses and driving golf carts around and putting out signs. And let me tell you, they'll never be on this stage, but I'm telling you, God celebrates them just as much as I, he celebrates me because every person's a minister at our church. And here, here's, here also, here's what else I want you to get. Every task is important. So don't say that there's some you know, task. Well, they have that gift. That's way more important. No, no, no. Your task is important. You're called to give. That's an important task called to serve you're called to lead a group that task is important don't ever make that task look insignificant no it's important what god's called you to do and here's what else we believe is lastly but everybody is a 10 at something there's something that you're a 10 at that you need to discover you need to get connected with that's why we want to help you in this process you fill out that dream team form you get connected through our process we will help you discover what that 10 is in your life i love this verse and then we'll close it out with this philippians says it like this Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and look at this, working together. This is what God's called us to do. And Radiant Church, this is my big appeal to you today. On our eighth birthday, I'm asking you, let's work together for the sake of Jesus Christ. Let's join this thing together. Let's use your giftings and my giftings and together let's care for one another and help each other and serve one another and bigger than any of that. Let's make a difference in the name of Jesus because people need what we have to offer. Can I hear a good amen today, Radio Church? So Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to Christ. And then they devoted themselves to community. I wonder how you're doing with that. How are you doing with that devotion to the community of believers, the church of Jesus Christ? Are you on the outside? Are you on the sidelines? Kind of looking this thing out. I'm going to ask today that this is a moment where you just say yes to God. You don't have to say yes to me. This is not some weird random rally where we're all, yeah, we're all in. No, no, no. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, to challenge you in the last few minutes we have together in a moment of surrender. You see, the people in Acts chapter 2, they had their first yes when Peter preached. You see, many of you have made your first yes. Write it on your notes this way. Your first yes offers you salvation. That's a yes to Christ. And if you haven't done that yet, our location pastors at every campus are going to allow you to give you that opportunity in just a second. But the second yes is the one I don't want you to miss out on today. You said yes to Christ, but have you said yes, your second yes, which is a yes that offers you significance? When I was saved at 16 years old, I said yes to Christ. It was about eight and a half years ago, almost nine years ago now, that I came down to Tampa and I went down to Curtis Hickson Park. And I'll never forget having this moment with God. I felt like God spoke to me. I might be off of this, but I felt like God spoke to me. And he said, Aaron, if you will say yes, I'll give you the keys to this region. And it was just some word that I felt like I held on to. And I remember kneeling on that park there. Pastor Kenton from St. Pete was there. And we were, just, we were just sitting there kneeling in the park. And I said, God, I'm going to say yes to you. And if you'll use my yes, if you'll use my life, the rest of my life, I'll just continue to say yes to whatever you want. 
So why are we going to Clearwater? God said yes. Why are we expanding this location? God said yes. Why do we get to Heights location? God said yes. Why are we doing this? Because God said yes. I wonder what is God asking you to say yes to? So here's what I want. I don't want anybody moving around yet. I want everybody standing at your feet at every location. And I want us to have a moment. Can we just have a moment where we just close our eyes, where we position our heart to hear from God? Too quickly, we're ready to run out to the next thing instead of petitioning ourselves and, ha- and, and positioning ourselves to hear right from God, to linger for just a minute and say, God, speak to me. Come on, whatever your sign of surrender is, just have that moment where you can say, God, speak to me. What is it that you're asking me to say yes to? Maybe you've already said yes to Christ. What is that yes that you need to follow it up with? Maybe it's a yes to generosity, a yes to a team, a yes to a group, a yes to joining the church, a yes to something in your business, a yes to something in your family. Just have a moment right now where surrender happens at God's church. With you and Him, He's listening to you. Come on, make this moment of surrender. Let's sing it out. want us to get in a posture of surrender just just one more time before we go i just i just believe there's just this moment of surrender here in the room you say yes to god you know in the world's perspective when you surrender you actually lose like in war you surrender you lose but actually in the kingdom of god when we surrender we win and i want you to win can you say yes to god today i don't know about you the last week as i'm thinking about this eight years i'm just saying yes again god i'm committing to yes whatever you have in the future Let's have this moment of surrender. If you're comfortable as a sign of surrender today, why don't you lift that hand up to heaven? Maybe one or two hands just to surrender to say, God, I'm all yours. Maybe it's been a long time since you've surrendered your life, surrendered your agenda, surrendered your family, surrendered your finances, surrendered your hobbies, and say, God, I want my life to count for something big. Lord, I want to commit myself like those disciples of the early church 
devoted to you and devoted to your church, God. Let us build something that is going to be supernatural, that's going to push back the, the darkness in our region, that's going to impact lives. And here we are. Use us. Send us. Commission us for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name. Come on, sing it one more time. Let's go. listening to the Radiant Church podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.